Hello everybody, this is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you today. We're glad that you are here. Uh, today we're continuing our series we call God on Film. And today we're taking a look at the movie called Inside Out, uh, is the movie that actually we're using today. And if you haven't got a chance to see this movie, uh, just watching the trailer, I think Ron and I are going to try to go see it. It's called Inside Out, and it, uh, it's hilarious because it deals with emotions. And uh, the characters that you just saw are actually playing out in someone's head. And, and so we have the emotion of, of joy, sadness, fear, anger, and disgust that are always having this conversation. So it, it's really funny, funny to do that. So today what I want to talk to you about, uh, or the one thing I want to give you today before we get started that you can remember, and if you remember this, then it's going to change your life, and that is this. You ready? It says this. There's the outline. It's on your outline. It's behind me as well. It says, when I feel out of control, I must ask God to do what? To take control. Would you say that with me, that whole statement with me? Let's say it out loud. Come on. You ready? When I feel out of control, I must ask God to take control. And that's exactly what happens. When we begin to feel out of control, that's when our emotions go crazy. Now, when I say emotions, a lot of times guys think about people crying and stuff. No, I'm not talking about that. You know, our emotions are like anger, you know, fear. Uh, those kind of things are the emotions that I'm talking about. And so when change happens, we, have, we are like a... Uh, our emotions are like the ocean, right? They're just going back and forth all over. And so today I want to talk to you about how to deal with the negative emotions. How do you deal with these negative emotions? Because that's what comes charging when change happens to us. So this morning I'd like to dive right into God's Word. And I want to tell you a story today about Esther. Esther, um, I begin this story, but there's a book of Esther in the Bible that's about her life. And I'd like to begin telling you the, the story of that, and it goes like this. Back this, uh, many years ago, of course, there was a, a, a Jewish population that had gathered uh, inside of like Persia, and there was a king by the name uh, uh, of Xerxes there who had a kingdom in that. Remember, the Jewish people had been scattered, they'd been taken over, and so a section of that sector of that Jewish nation, or the Jewish people was there in that kingdom. And so this king Xerxes actually um, began to uh, flaunt his stuff, and he wanted to parade all these people in, so he called all these people in the surrounding areas, his leaders, to come into a big banquet. And so his wife, Vestai, actually had the ladies go to one, guy, one area, and the men come to another. And the king was parading all this stuff, showing his palace, showing how great he was. And then the last day, I don't know if he was hitting a bottle or something, or the wine cup or something, but he decided that he wanted to his wife uh, Vastai to come and actually uh, before these men and let them see how beautiful she was. So he summons her to come. He says, Queen, I want you to come. And guess what she said? No, I'm not coming. And so he sent another message. said, 
Queen Vasti, I want you to come and I want to show you, know, I want you to come and meet with me. I want to show you these men. No, I'm not coming. And so the king didn't know what to do with that. So he called his advisors together and said, listen, I've got to do something here. He said, I've asked Vasti to come. The queen, she will not come. And I can't get her. What should I do? And, the, and his people said, you know, the royal advisors said, well, you know what? We can't have this because if, if she can treat the king this way, then every, every lady in the land will begin to be, uh, go just take charge of everything. I mean, they're freaking out, you know, it's going to be crazy. And so they decided that she would no longer be queen and that they would ban her from the kingdom. And that's exactly what happened. Where there's a guy that's living in the kingdom, his name is Mordecai. Mordecai actually is a guy that is a Jew and he's living there, and, and he has a, knee, a cousin, actually, by the name of Esther. Let me give you a little bit about Esther. Esther's parents had died, and so she was an orphan. And Mordecai brought her in to the family, into his uh, household and raised her like he was her own. And so now we see at the beginning of this, I want to begin to give you the first emotion through this story that we have to learn to deal with if we're going to survive. You ready? The first negative emotion that we have to do, would you write this down, is the word stuck. Would you write that down, stuck? You and I, when things are out of our control, we begin to feel stuck. Many times I've had people tell me when talking about marriage, they would say, I feel stuck in my marriage. I feel stuck in my job. I feel stuck as a parent. I feel stuck in school. I feel stuck. And that is because circumstances that are out of your control have created the environment that you're in. And so when you feel stuck, here's a statement that I have for you. When you feel stuck, believe that God is in control no matter what. That's what we have to do when you feel stuck. And so today, as we dive right into the story, look what Esther's, in Esther 2 and 8 it says this. When the king ordered an edict had been proclaimed... Many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Now, let me stop right there. What has happened? The king has got rid of the queen. Now he's got to have another one. And so he's going and he's, he's getting all, he's having his advisors go out and find all the beautiful women in the kingdom and the ones that look the best, got a good personality. He wants them to come in and basically go through a beauty school for over a year and then he's going to select one. So look what happens here. Esther also was what? Come on, shout that word out. Esther was also what? She was taken. Notice that. She didn't say, I'll go. Oh, she didn't say, Whoo, I get a chance to be the queen. Come get me. No, she was taken. Esther was taken. She was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who, charged, uh, who was in charge of the harem. Now, here we go. Take a... Get the picture with me. Here, going back to Esther's life, feeling stuck. Her parents died. She's been an orphan. Who knows if she was passed around from house to house until finally she got to Mordecai's house. Who, who knows that? But here she is. She's finally doing good. She's finally functioning under, under, in her cousin's home, feeling good about herself. And now the king sends these people out and they take her like prisoners. They say, you've got to go. And so she has to go, and she has to go through this beauty treatment or whatever. And so I can tell you this from this story. 
is that Esther found herself stuck in the circumstances of life that she had no control over. But here's what we see through the story. When you get stuck in life, when circumstances that are beyond your control, here's what you can do. You have two options. One, you can either play the victim role, or two, you can trust God that you're going to be a victor in this role. Did you hear that? So you you got a choice right now. No matter what you're in, in your stuck position, you can just keep whining about it and complaining about how bad you got it and how bad it is around you, how bad your marriage is, how bad your job is, how bad your finances are. You can keep whining to everybody about that. But let me tell you something. If you keep whining too much, you're not going to have many friends left because they're not going to stay around you long. So you got to choose, am I going to be a victim or am I going to trust God's going to make me a victor? And so let's look right back into the story and see what happened with Esther. Here we go. It says this. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her what? Queen, made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a, a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the province and distributed gifts with royal liberality. Look what happened. Esther went from a nobody to now the queen. I mean, she's like, she's not second in command, but she's up there. She went from a nobody to a somebody. She went from a zero to a hero. Over, it seemed like over a year's time. This is what I want you to know. It's never over until God says it's over. Somebody needs to hear that today. Did you hear that? Wherever you're going, you feel stuck right now. You don't know how to get out of this situation. You, you, there's no way out. And you say, every way I turn is a dead end. And you feel stuck. I want you to know tonight that it's not this today. It's not over until God says it's over. You see, Esther went from stuck to unstuck. But that unstuck time, from stuck to unstuck, took her several years to get to. She was you know, raised at her cousin's home, and then all of a sudden in the king's palace. It was over a year of training and beauty school and all this before the king made a selection. So she had to make a decision, I'm going to have a good attitude. Because if she would have went before the king with a sorry, a sarcastic attitude, he would have never chose her. Who knows what might have happened? She might become a slave. She had a right attitude. Do you know what Christianity? I met with the kid that I mentor, and now he's 18 years old. And we were sitting at Chick fil A yesterday, and he said this. He said, Pastor Jeff, he said, You know, there's one word that I determined that, that defines Christianity, that, you, that has to define Christianity. I said, What is that? He said, Patience. He said, because God never works on our time. He always works on His time. And if we're going to be, if we're going to be Christians, we're going to be Christ followers. Here is an 18-year-old telling me this. If we're going to be Christ followers, he says, we have to learn to be patient. God used that, boy, that young man to speak to me. <laughs> I know, you know, God's used donkeys and all kinds of stuff to speak, speak to people before, but he used an 18-year-old yesterday to look me in the eye and said, Patience. I'm like, shut up. Because <laughs> that was too hard for me to hear. You see, here's what we want you to understand. It's when I feel out of control. 
I must ask God to do what? Take control. God has to take control. That takes us to number two. The second emotion that I think that we have to deal with is pride. Would you write that down? Pride. It's a negative emotion. And when we're feeling pride, we have to practice godly humility. Because that emotion, every one of us have that emotion that flows in us at times and through us at times. And so I go back to the story of, of Esther, and as we do, there's another guy that comes on the scene we haven't talked about now. His name is Haman. Haman is second in command. Haman has been, he's been, he's been trying his whole life climbed the political ladder, and he has finally done so. He's, he's played all his cards right. He's made the right contacts. He's done everything just right. And now he's second in command with the king. He's, he's a guy. I mean, the king has entrusted him so much, the king has given him like a ring, and that ring has a signature stamp on it, and it's like an unlimited credit card. It's like you can, you can buy anything. You can make laws with this ring. He says, I trust you. He was second in command. But the only problem is Haman was eat up with pride now. He's somebody now, you know. He was a nobody before, but now he's somebody. And what happens is this. As Haman begins to walk into the city gates, there's a, guy, the job, there's a gatekeeper there. And his job is to let people in and out of the gates, and it is the government's law that they must bow down to whoever the official that's coming in. And this guy, one of the gatekeepers, name is Mordecai. Remember him? Esther's cousin, he's the gatekeeper, the Jew. And Mordecai has a moral uh, conviction, and that is that he only bows down to God. He doesn't bow down to man. So when Haman comes through the gate, everybody else understood that, and they appreciated his stance, but Haman couldn't buy that. Haman's like, no, you're going to bow down to me. And Mordecai, uh, Mordecai said, no, I'm not. I only bow down to Almighty God. You know, isn't it amazing in our culture today how that we sometimes have to make that decision even with our government? Is it how we have to make a decision that time, even when the government goes one way, if it violates who God says we are and God's law and God's covenant, that we have to make a stand and say, you know what, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. And that's exactly what Mordecai did. He said, I'm sorry what the government says, I'm sorry what the law says, but I will serve only God and I will always honor Him over the government. Because he's my king. That's the kingdom I'm serving. And so sure enough, here we go. Haman begins to plan something. And we'll jump right into the scripture and look what happens. In Esther 3 and 5, it says this. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was what? Come on, say it like you ticked off. He was what? He was enraged. He was mad. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. You notice that? Notice what evil always does. Evil, does, evil doesn't just want to eliminate one person. Evil wants to eliminate all of God's people. That's what it does. And, and so the Jewish people, he said, I'll just annihilate all the Jewish people so I won't ever have this problem again. And you have to get that picture because it sort of defines our culture today. We as Christians feel that pressure on us now like never before. Would you agree with that? I mean, there's all kinds of pressure on us. And so we have to understand that there's a, there's a spiritual warfare that's going on here. And so as we look at that, he says this. 
He said that I will annihilate everybody. Now watch this about pride. I want you to know that pride is a belief that I deserve to be respected by you. That's pride. Pride says I deserve it to be respected by you. And I demand to be respected by you. That's pride. And here's what I want you to know. When pride is high, self-control is low. Did you, oh, did you hear that? When I've got to demand my right, you are going to respect me whether you like it or not. When I do, pride goes high, then self-control goes low. The only thing I think about is getting even, right? So when pride goes high, self-control goes low. You say, well, I've never had it, you liar. All of us are. You know what? Because how many times, don't raise your hand, how many times have you went out and bought something that, that you could not afford with money you didn't have to impress people you didn't like? Hello? You spent money you didn't have to impress people you didn't like. Why? Because you wanted them to respect you, right? You, I, you wanted them to think you were somebody. We used to call it, you know, uh, fitting in with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. What that, another term for that is pride. Pride. When you're full of pride, you'll go out and do anything to make people think higher of you. There's another side of that pride deal. Is that when they will not give you the respect that you think you deserve, is that you try to cut them off. The epitome of pride we see in Haman is this. You know what pride does when it's full-blown? Pride kills. Pride kills. If you don't give me the respect I deserve, then I'll just wipe you out. That's what pride does. I'll write you off. That's what pride does. But we have to understand that we have to choose God's way. And you see, pride kills, but grace heals, right? What is grace? What is grace? God's grace is unmerited favor. And grace is you giving me what I don't deserve and me giving you what you don't deserve. That's grace. And God says pride will kill, but grace heals. Look what the Bible says. Paul wrote it this way in Philippians 2 and 3. He says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each what? Esteem. Come on, shout that word out. You ready? Esteem. Let each esteem others better than himself. Why? Because this is what, if, you don't, if you're not always thinking about other people, how that you can make their life better, guess what? You start keeping score and saying, okay, I did this for you. I did this for you. You've done nothing for me. So you owe me. And until you pay up, I'm not doing anything else for you. Pride kills. It kills relationships. It kills relationships between husband and wife. Parent and child, child and parent, to the teacher to student, employer to employee, it kills. Kills. And most of all, to God. Finish this statement. It's a biblical statement. Pride comes before a, a fall. When you demand respect, and you demand, when our culture demands this, and you say, we don't need God anymore, you know, we don't have to have this anymore. When you do it, the Bible says it falls, there's a fall coming. When you play God, and I play God, and the Bible says pride comes before a fall. You see, humility says, I need you. Pride says, I can live without you. We should be humble. 
I want to say this before I move on. The greatest pride of all is saying, I've got my own life. God created you to need Him with a hole in your heart. And so today, if you're living living your life without Jesus Christ being the Lord of your life, then that is the most prideful person I could ever know. And God says, pride comes before fall. Today, I would challenge you to, to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ because you want to, because you need Him, because He loves you. He wants you to love Him back. And the way that you do that is you simply pray a prayer. And it has to be your prayer, not my prayer. So, in case, and so because I know you're here today, I put a prayer in this program. It's under point number five. It's a prayer to become a Christ follower. You can read this prayer to help you, but if you make this your personal prayer today, then my friend, I challenge you to, to once you say this or read it to yourself and you say, God, that's me, I challenge you to check it on the back of this connection card so that I can send you some material to help you in your journey. Number three. Before we read that, though, remember our point again? Remember what it says? Remember our point? It simply says, when I feel out of control, I must ask God to take control. Number three. The third thing, emotion, is fear. Is fear. It's a bad emotion. It's what comes to our mind when, we're, when there's change in the way. It's fear. Now notice what I have beside fear. When you're feeling fear, this is what we have to do. Look for a God possibility in your problem. Look for a God possibility in your problem. Going back to the story, here we go. Now, Esther's made it. She's a queen now, you remember? She was a nobody. She was basically, you know, a servant. Now she's a queen. I mean, she's living it up. But this guy, Haman's gotten ticked off at her cousin, uh, Mordecai, and now, he, this is what he done. He took that ring that he had, and he, he went to the king and said, listen, there's a group of people in your kingdom who's not good for your kingdom, who eventually will bring destruction to it, so we need to get rid of them. And the king's like, I trust you, Haman. Go ahead. And Haman signs a note that says, all the Jewish people will be killed, slaughtered. So now, Mordecai gets that word, And he sends word to Esther and says, Esther, I need you to go now and talk to the king because, you know, he's going to kill all the Jewish people. And here's her response. Listen, listen to the fear in her voice. Here's what it says in Esther 4 and 11. It says, all the king's officials and the people of the royal province know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law. Uh Uh-oh, here it is. That they be what? If he put to death. In other words, you, if he doesn't tell you to come and you go, you're going to die. Then everybody knows that. Unless the king extends a golden scepter to them and spares their life. And notice what she says here. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. <laughs> in other words, I haven't saw the man 30 days myself. I'm not about to go. He's ill. <laughs> I'm not going to see him. This is what I want you to know. When fear takes control of your emotion, it always brings worst case scenario to first place. Worst case, first place in your mind. Doesn't it? When fear enters, it says, oh no, this is going to happen. It doesn't go with all the other good things that could happen. It just brings the worst case scenario to your mind. You have to understand that, and I have to understand that. 
The Bible knew that God knew that we would have this problem, and that's why he said it. This is our memory verse in 2 Timothy 2 and 17. Look what it says. For God has not given us a spirit of what? Of fear, but of power and of what? Love and a? And a sound mind. In other words, when fear comes knocking and it runs right to the forefront of our mind, we get afraid, we have to say, you know what? We're people of faith. God's got this, and we believe he's going to take care of us. That's how faith answers the door to fear every time. Now look what happens here. We go back into the story. So now Mordecai has written her back. It says this, he, Mordecai, sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. Now notice this faith in his part. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jew will what? will arise. In other words, he said, I know God's going to come through somehow with you or without you. God's going to do something. He said, faith in Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And notice this part. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position. Would you read these last words out loud with me? You ready? Let's read them. For such a time as this. Uh-oh. This is the word of God for every one of you and me. He said, Esther, it was not by chance that your parents passed away and that you grew up in my home because I made sure that you knew God's way. Esther, it's not by chance that when you was out working in the fields that someone, our king's official, come by and saw you with the dirty hands and your dirty face, and they picked you anyways and told you to come to the royal palace. It's not by chance. Esther, it is not by chance. It's not by chance that you, out of all those beautiful ladies up there, it was you that was selected by the king to be queen. It is not by chance. He said it is for such a time as this. What does that mean? Like in our government, we in our military, we have operatives, people that are the CIA. They're part of that. They live in all over the world. All there's that if that the government, the army has sent over to live as civilians in other countries all over the world, and they've been living there 10, 15, 20 years, and nobody knows that they are with the CIA. Guess what? They are an agent in place. Because the government knows that one day they're going to call them. They've been living 20 years, 30 years in one place. And they're going to call them and say, it's time for you to do what we sent you there to do. It's agent in place. We have it all over. You know, it's a James Bond deal. All over the world, they're there. And I, this is what I want you to know. That God has you where you are for this moment and this time right now. Where you are, where you are this moment, for this time right now. Look what the Bible says in Acts 17. He says this. He says, from one man, he made every nation of men so that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact what? And the exact places where they should what? Oh, and you've been complaining. 
You've been whining about that job that you've been on. <laughs> you've been whining about where you live. You wish you could go live somewhere else. You've been whining about the, the, the community you live in. You've been whining and complaining. And the whole time, I want you to know that God has you where he wants you. Why? Because you are God's agent in place. You're there for a moment. Who knows who's going to walk in on that job that you can't stand, that God's got you there to meet. And when you meet that person, your life is going to affect their life. And they're going to change and they're going to be the person that changes the world for Jesus Christ. Who knows the neighbor that, that you're living by right now that God's got you right there in that place you can't stand to be that you can be a mentor and that you can be a guide spiritually to direct that family towards Jesus Christ and they're going to come to know him and they're going to change the world for Jesus Christ. You are an agent in place. Amen. You're it. On that sports team, it's a losing team. Why am I here? Because God has you there. An agent in place. Your life has got kingdom potential attached to it wherever you go. Remember what we said, when I feel out of control, I must what? Uh-oh, I caught you sleeping on me. Here we go. You need your cheater notes, don't you? Are they up there? Let's try it now. You ready? When I feel out of control, I what? I must ask God to take control. Number four. Did you write this word down? Hate. Hate. When you're feeling the emotion hate, we have to let it go and let God settle the matter. When you're feeling hate. Going back into our story, oh man, this gets even better. Watch this, here we go. Back into our story. Remember Haman, who's a guy that says, hey, you're going to die, I'm going to kill you. And so he actually has a time set that they're going to wipe out all the Jews. And so, but the king goes to sleep. And when the king goes to sleep, he all of a sudden, he can't sleep at night. Something wakes him up. I wonder who it was that woke him up. Someone woke, something woke him up and he got up at two o'clock in the morning and he just started getting his book out where they keep all the records uh, that have gone, everything that's happened throughout the kingdom. And he starts looking back over the last year and all of a sudden he sees a guy's name in his book. He doesn't recognize his name is Mordecai. And what he reads about Mordecai is this. He reads this. Mordecai was a guy who saved the king's kingdom because there was a coup that was trying to overthrow the king. And Mordecai tipped off the king's officials. They went out and took care of that coup. And therefore, the kingdom is safe because of Mordecai. And so the king gets excited about this guy, Mordecai. He's like, has anything been done for this man? He saw nothing in the book. So he goes and he says, Haman, second in command, the first thing in the morning, come here. He says, listen, what would you do for the man that the king desires to show the greatest honor for? Well, Haman, pride, 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 says, that's me, that's me, that's me. He said, you know what I'd do? I'd get the king's royal horse, and I'd put this man on the back of that royal horse. I'd put a royal robe around him. I'd put the king's crown on his head, and I'd have somebody lead that man around the kingdom and say, oh, this is the man who the king loves. This is the man who the king loves. This is the man who the king loves king said great idea go get my horse Haman runs and gets a horse he said now put Mordecai on the back of that horse 
Put the robe around him. Put the crown on his head. And I want you, Haman, to ride him around this city. And I want you to lead him around and say, This is the man who the king loved. This is the man who the king loved. This is the man who the king loved. How about that? Look how God turns the tables. We ain't, we're not done yet. Oh, no, we're not done. Look what happens here. It's amazing. This story gets even better. Look what happens. So after he comes back home from doing that, he goes and talks to his wife and his people. Look what it says. When Haman told his wife, Zara and all their friends what had happened, his wife, uh, his wife, advi- his wise advisor, not his wife, his wise advisor, and his wife said, since Mordecai, this man who has humiliated you, is of Jewish birth, you will never succeed in your plans against him. It will be fatal to continue opposing him. She was saying, Haman, let it go. He's a man of God, let it go. No matter how much you oppress him, God will turn the tide. Let it go. What is hate? Hate is what causes us to want to get even. Haman was eat up with pride and hate. He wanted to get even. Look at me just a second. Look at me. Let me tell you what hate isn't. Hate isn't when we disagree. We can, ha- we can, we can disagree and not hate each other. Hello? Just because I don't agree with you and you don't agree with me does not mean I hate you and you hate me. And our culture says that, doesn't it? Well, if you don't agree with me, you're a hater. No, you're not. We just disagree. It's when you want to get even that you become a hater. And let me just say this quickly. You will never move on and you will never get over what you're trying to get over as long as you keep talking about that situation or that person and it riles up, it's hate within you that you want to get even. And let me just say one more thing, is that you certainly, as a Christian, do not go on Facebook and blast everybody. That's slander, by the way. It's amazing to me to see Christian people, have they stub their toe in a retail store, and then they go on to, well, I can't believe that sorry store didn't have better steps. Well, you shouldn't be so clumsy. Christians do not slander other people. You don't go on Facebook and you don't try to ruin someone's life because you had a bad day. Listen, you just had a bad moment. That's all it was, a bad moment. Back into the story. I'm going to have to tell you the rest because I don't have time to read it to you. Now we see the tables turn. Haman's, he's really low. His wife said, leave it alone. And now the queen has went before, uh, Esther's went before the king, and he said, he said, come to me. And she come in there. He said, I'll give you up to half my kingdom. What do you want? She said, I just want you to come to a meal with me. Let me fix supper for you. He said, okay, great. Uh, great, queen. I would love to do that. And then guess what? She said, I just want you to bring Haman with you. She said, bring Haman? Yeah, I'll bring it. Bring Haman with you. Okay, I'll bring Haman. So he's sitting there, and she said, he says, queen, what is it that you want? Esther, what do you want? She says, King, I want you to know there's, a, there's someone in the kingdom that's trying to, to destroy me and all of my people. He said, who is it? She looked over and said, that's the man, Haman. The king was infuriated. infuriated. He was upset. He was mad. Why? Because Haman had already built a gallows at his own house, 75 foot high. He was going to hang Mordecai on that gallows and kill all the people just in a few days. He'd already built it. The king said, take him out right now. Take Haman out right now and go put him on that gallows, hang him. Here's what I want you to know. You have to let God sometimes settle the score. 
The Bible says this, the last verse, look what it says, Romans 12 and 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. One more thing before I have you stand. There's been some people that are evil, that have hurt you, hurt people that you know. They've not repented, and they have a spirit they're never going to repent. It seems like they're doing okay. I just want to tell you something. Hell's hot for people like that. God says at the end, this evil that's going on, people that's, that's hitting, hurting innocent people in that spirit, they're not repenting. He says, I've got a place for them. So here's God's promise. Number one, I will repay, and number two, I will return. You hear that? Number one, I will repay, and number two, I will return. And for we believers, listen, just lift your head up a little bit more because Jesus may come back any day and take us out of here and leave the Lord. And that would be good with me. How about you? Amen. Amen? Would you stand with me now? I want to pray for you today. Because some of you are going through some really difficult times right now. And you have an ocean of emotions. But God has sent me to tell you today this. He hasn't forgot about you. He loves you. Whether you feel stuck right now. Maybe you feel the pride. Maybe you're a victim of pride. Maybe fears rushed in. And maybe that hate has come in. Or you feel like someone hates you. God says, I've got this. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I ask you today as our prayer partners come forward, Father. I pray that you would speak to your people, God. You let them leave out of here encouraged knowing that, God, when it looks like the world is stacked against us, when it looks like that, God, they're going to have their way with us, that it's not over until you say it's over, God, and that you've got a plan. It's bigger than us, oh God, and that your way will prevail, oh Lord, and that we can trust you that when the enemy comes in like a flood, oh God, and tries to destroy us, that you will raise a standard against him, oh God, and you'll turn the tables, and we trust and wait on you for that with patience. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, email me at jeffdawes at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.